Well, I'm sure glad that I don't have to follow uh, that anthem with a sermon. So we're just going to pass another offering plate, and then we're going to let them come back and sing. I know you'd be okay with that. Would you join me again in thanking the choir, the orchestra for this incredible music? Christ is risen. Happy Easter and good morning. And what makes for me such an exciting morning is the fact that we've already had such exciting music uh, all before 8.49 in the morning. That's even more incredible. Voices. I am so impressed with all of you. Uh, if this is your first uh, time to be with us in worship, uh, we are incredibly glad that you're here. And what you just saw uh, in the video right before uh, I got up behind uh, this podium uh, is kind of an expression of who we are as a community of faith. Uh, we strive to make disciples of Jesus Christ who will grow in their love of God, their love of each other, uh, and who are committed to serving the world. And that's something we try to do, and I think that's something hopefully you've already experienced as you've been here, if you have been here for the first time. And for those of you who've been here before, you know all about that. But no matter where you came from this morning, no matter how you got here, I'm very glad that you're here. We as a congregation have spent the last two months uh, working through the Gospel of Luke. And this morning, we have an opportunity to dive into the Easter story as Luke tells it. But first, uh, it is my tradition to open up uh, a sermon with a funny story, a riddle, or a pun. Uh, but I was unsuccessful in finding any truly worthy one. Uh, so instead, I offer these two not-so-worthy seasonal questions and answers. Uh, where does the Easter Bunny go to breakfast? IHOP, thank you. And more importantly, what do you call seven rabbits walking backwards in a straight row? Scott would answer, it's a receding hairline. <laughs> Let us pray. Let now the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I really had intended on starting uh, the sermon with a little bit of music of my own, and I, I guess I'm going to try anyways. Uh, debuting back in 1973, Jack Sheldon's song, Conjunction Junction, is one of the most popular grammar songs ever written. And it, I think it went something like, Conjunction Junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Sound familiar? Uh, conjunction, junction, how's that function? And we have a slide that shows how that works. They are, the conjunctions, and, but, and, or. Three favorite cars to get most of my job done. Um, a conjunction is a joiner, uh, a word that connects parts of a sentence. And by now, most of you have to be thinking, I can't believe he's starting an Easter message with conjunction, junction, and with train cars with the words and, but, and, or. Uh, but I promise I'll make that connection for in just a moment. But first, I, I want to let you know how excited I am to be part of the Easter message this morning uh, because I, I love the Easter stories in the way that they're, they're different, uh, the great variety that the gospel writers give us of what happened that first Easter. Mark writes that uh, the woman went to the tomb early in the morning uh, to take care of, of Jesus' body uh, with spices and, and ointments. And when they got there, they discovered that the stone had been rolled away uh, and that there was um, an, an angel there and they're terrified. 
And the original ending in Mark's gospel is that the women flee, run home, run away, run somewhere. And that's where the gospel of Mark ends, at least the original gospel of Mark. Uh, Matthew, in his version, adds an earthquake. And there's an angel there as well, but the angel is one who actually scares the the guards and and they start shaking like they're having their own earthquake. John gives us something a a little different. Uh, Mary is is the one who goes to to the tomb and when she, she finds... Uh, Jesus not there, she finds a gardener. And so she asks the gardener where, where they have taken the body and, and then suddenly she realized it's not just any gardener, uh, it's Jesus. And when she calls him by name, he says, don't hold on to me, uh, alerting her to the fact that everything is different. And now that he has been resurrected, life would never be the same. But Luke gives us in his version something that I really hadn't noticed before. Until a couple years back, I wrote an article, I read read an article uh, by the president of Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary, Ted Wardlaw, who said that unlike the other gospel writers, Luke peppers his account with the word but. In Matthew, the word shows up once, and in Mark twice, and in the New Revised Standard Version of Luke, which Chuck read for this morning, in those 12 short verses, the word but appears six times. It's as if Luke is wanting us to understand that no matter what we've heard, we haven't heard the whole story yet. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb. Now, why is it that that Luke would choose this way uh, to share the story? Why so many buts? Warlaw thinks that Luke suspected that there were other stories being told in the world Stories where people couldn't get past the hopelessness, the despair, the finality of Good Friday, of, of the crucifixion. And you know, if we think about that, I think we, we can understand that kind of, a, a, of an understanding. We can understand that that would be a, a reason that he might have all those conjunctions. We know the Good Friday story very well, don't we? stories about things that destroy, stories of hatred and violence, stories of discrimination, of of murder, of terrorism. And we come here this morning on this Easter 2017, August 16th, and we come here with a number of reasons why this Easter leaves us a little uneasy, a little anxious, a little scared. On the world scene in this last week, it was just a week ago on Palm Sunday when two Egyptian churches were bombed with 45 being killed. Yesterday, a car bomb targeting evacuees killed at least 100 people in Syria. I read this morning that last night that four were injured in a shooting outside an Alabama church at a carnival. And then all the while, in the past few days and even the past few hours, tension grows between the United States and North Korea. Unfortunately, there are too many troubling events uh, to highlight as those things which are concerning us, which are weighing on our hearts and weighing on the hearts and minds of those around the world. But we also bring our own stories, our very, very personal stories of, of Good Friday news, our own aches and pains. There are those among us who have recently lost loved ones, spouses, parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, cousins, other kinds of significant others. We have lost them and we are alone. We have 
friends, family members, perhaps we ourselves are concerned about illnesses that are hard to diagnose or illnesses that don't seem to have the cure as fast as we want it or maybe it is incurable. There's a need for healing in our family relationships, a need for forgiveness, for reconciliation, for understanding, and there's always a need for more love. Many of us have stress over money issues, and you know that list can go on and on and on and on, and you're also saying to yourself, is he gonna spend all Easter sermon talking about all the troubles I have and that we have? And the answer would be no. But you know, I've gotta hang on that subject just a little while longer because we can't truly understand Easter. We can't accept the incredible good news of the empty tomb we can't celebrate the gift of new life and hope and resurrection and forgiveness unless we really have named and claimed that pain of a Good Friday world. Each one of us at one time or another, I believe, has lost hope. We've lost our way. Perhaps we've even lost our faith. But then we are reminded of Jesus, the one who taught us how to love God and how to love each other, the one who taught us how to serve we are reminded of passages which tell us that there's nothing, not anything that can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are reminded that on Good Friday, our Lord was willing to take our sins away, that we might be redeemed, that we might be forgiven, that we might be able to find peace and joy and hope once more. So what we get on Easter, what gets proclaimed from the empty tomb is a rebuttal, no, no pun intended, but that's probably just the seventh, but if, if Luke had added a rebuttal. Oh, come on, that was kind of, no. Uh, nonetheless, that rebuttal was both dramatic and amazing. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. You know, resurrection is, was, is, and never will be a, a very common occurrence. Uh, when a human being dies, that's it. You can't wait around and expect that person to reappear and pick up right where you left things off. Well, that's kind of what the disciples were hoping for, and, and frankly, there's some of us who have actually done that. Hope to see our loved ones again, held on as long as we could on this side of the grave. We know it is a Good Friday world, but the joy that is ours is very clear, and it's very clear for us on this Easter morning. It has been my incredible joy to be part of the staff here since last July to serve as the executive pastor, and I am so very, very grateful for the, the love, for the support of this church family, and for the fresh start it's afforded me. And no matter how poorly I'm feeling on any Sunday morning, all I need to do is sit right over there and listen to our incredible choir and orchestra, our bells, our instrumentalists, our soloists, members of our praise team, our worship leaders, and my spirits are lifted. And no matter how I came in, I always leave in a much better situation. It was a joy to be here yesterday morning and to see so many children and adults and families participating in the Rise and Shine Fun Run. I'm not sure what the numbers were. I'm a pretty good numbers person. I'm guessing there were 727, but I, I was, was handing out eggs and water and I ran out of both of them as, as people were running by. 
Um, but what's so incredible to me about that event was that there were children from our church, children from our neighborhood, uh, and so many adults and volunteers here just to, uh, to make sure people knew the hospitality we, we offer as a church so people would feel the joy of the morning, the joy of, of this Easter weekend, and to know that they were loved and appreciated. The tomb is empty, and that's a good thing, which means it's empty of despair, it's empty of pain, and we're left with fullness of life and joy. We cannot pretend, you and I, that darkness isn't there. But like the women who came to the tomb and left from the tomb, we can walk arm in arm together through that darkness. We can stumble side by side on our way wherever we go from that tomb. The message of Easter is that we're living in a world where God has the last word. On Friday night, it appeared as, as if death had the last word, but that was Friday, and it's Sunday, and it's Easter. We are a resurrection people, an Easter people, who believe in the promise of life after death, of a place where there is no pain, where there is no weeping and suffering, a place where the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. We are resurrection people, and we know there's another story to be told. Easter matters, and it matters because it's God's announcement that one life, redeemed from death, can save the world. And that's the news that you and I are called to share this Easter Sunday, but not just this day, as we go, from here, go forth from here out into the world, wherever our Easter plans take us. But more importantly, not just today, but tomorrow and Wednesday and Friday and the rest of our lives. Death is not the last word. Life is. I want you to know a couple of things about me, um, and my son is here, and he can attest to most of this. Uh, when it comes to doing daredevil things, that's really not my style. Um, I do ride roller coasters once, um, and my favorite part of the ride is when the ride is over and I get a chance to get off. I had a chance a number of years ago. Uh, I was invited by one of my close friends, uh, who was a pastor of a church, was a pastor of a church, a Presbyterian church in Illinois, uh, to go with his um, youth group on a, a mission expedition out in Pennsylvania. They had, it took a day off, and they decided to go whitewater rafting, which scared me to death. And so we went to the Yakagani River, and there were about 40 of us, and there were four to a raft. And the good thing about those rafting adventures is you get to wear the helmets, and you get to wear uh, the, the life jackets. I wore three life jackets. I just, <laughs> just wanted to have that sense that I was covered uh, completely. Um, but we got off to a good start uh, in the clever, cleverly named Entrance Rapids, uh, which were followed by the Cucumber Rapids, uh, which were a lovely little collection of hydraulic waters, uh, which are those big pockets of white water that try to swallow your raft. Uh, after the cucumber came the railroad rapids, and a couple of the adults, I not included, uh, fell over, uh, fell into the water, and we had to go to the side to get them. But we got through that okay. It was a, a nice calm stretch followed that, but the calm stretch didn't last. Soon our guides were pulling over to the side, and they, it was the side of the river, and we heard a dull roar, which alerted us to this cauldron of white water and solid rock up ahead, which was called River's End. And here's a picture of what that River's End looked like. 
Now, you, if, as you look at it closely, you have to understand when I was looking at it with the three life jackets, the helmet on and, and shaking and with my pad on my hand, um, all I saw were the rocks and it looked like rocks that went straight across the river. I, I couldn't really see that there was a, a little way to go through there. They call it River's End because that's what it, it looks like when you're upriver a little bit. And uh, as we were not able to make a, a clear look at this, we were over on the side of the river getting ready for this incredibly difficult uh, travel to River's End. And we had the chance to not go. And four of us voted and I was in the minority. <laughs> and we went. Um, and as we went, there was all kinds of screaming. Uh, I was one of those who was screaming, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was exhilarating uh, as we were going down and I started thinking of, of Easter. I'm like, oh my gosh, if only somebody could roll the stone away, uh, we can make it through. And literally at that moment, I heard a voice and it was a voice, it wasn't an angel, it was a guide, but a guide was on, on the side of the shore who is giving us helpful information. Paddle to your left, paddle to your left, so that we would be able to, to make the, the right entrance into, the, uh, into that little small opening uh, at the end of River's End. Um, I'm here today, um, so we made it through. Um, no applause, okay. Um, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, I don't need any, I don't need any. Uh, we made it through and uh, everyone made it through. And when you're on trips like that, uh, as youth, folks know, uh, you always celebrate that everyone makes it back safely. Uh, you give thanks for those experiences in which you test yourself, but also in which you are reminded uh, that we're all in good, hand, good hands because we're in God's hands. But it also reminds us of how important it is to work together. As we, we left that, that incredible adventure, um, I started to, to hear the, the youth talk about wanting to, to get a job there, to work as guides. They wanted to be part of that, that experience for others, probably because they wanted to be able to see the terror and hear the screams from someone like me, but also really to, to help people to make it safely through the troubled waters, uh, to, to help them to, to survive the, those rapids and those ups and downs on the journey. And I started thinking to myself, well, gosh, isn't that what, what being a disciple is, uh, being a guide? Uh, being one who's willing to, uh, to be there for another, to, to share in one's, another's journey, to, to help each other through those incredibly difficult uh, times of, of their lives, and, and to share that journey in a way that rem reminds them that they're not alone uh, and that, that you're willing to walk that journey with them. Those women that came to the tomb, they, they felt like they were at River's End. And, and when the tomb was empty, uh, they were bewildered. They didn't know what to do. Uh, they went back and told the 11, that's what Luke tells us, and, and the men didn't believe them. And Peter came running back. Peter always is wanting to test things for himself. And he goes and he finds the, the linen on, on the ground and, and he's bewildered, and so he goes home. Well, the good news uh, for all of us is that that story uh, continues that Jesus was willing to make some more appearances, uh, not just the one to Mary that's told about in John, but there's, uh, there's well over a dozen resurrection appearances uh, in the Gospels and, and in the, 
uh, the remaining writings in the New Testament. And uh, I want you to do a study of that a little later. Um, but there's far more than that. There's countless, countless resurrection experiences because you and I have had them. Uh, you and I have witnessed the risen Christ in real and profound ways, uh, perhaps at times without even knowing it, maybe even now without even knowing it. Because to, to have an experience with the risen Christ is to be able to, to know the joy that comes in the morning, to, to have hope after there's been utter despair, uh, to find life after death. And often we experience that resurrected Christ through, through loved ones, maybe even through strangers, but people who are there uh, with that smile, with the, the twinkle in their eye, with the calming voice, with the, the loving presence, with the advocacy for us. And when at times we're unable to do what we need to do just to survive and to keep breathing and to take another step. You remember what Yogi Berra says, it's never over until it's over. Well, you know, that's the way it was that, that Easter. That's the way it is when we think that the, we're at the river's end. It's not really the end of the river. Uh, the good news is that as you got through the stones, there was some very calm water. But the other part of that story is we had to get out of that water and we had to get back in the cars, and we had to get back on the rest of that mission trip. You see, we have choices we get to make. We, as people of faith, choices of how we will live, whose guide we might be willing to be, and whether or not we'll allow God us to, to be guides for others. The great news of Easter is that, not that the tomb was empty. An empty tomb is not the, the reason for the faith that we have but a resurrected Christ, a living presence, is why we are here this morning and why millions like us are gathered all around the world. Now, the good news at Christmas was Emmanuel, God with us. I believe the good news of Easter is God in us, Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us, uh, that we might be Christ for the world, that we might be Christ's hands and feet in what we do and where we go. And if I'm going to sound a little preachy as I close this morning, uh, hear it with all the love that I intend to give it to you with. But you know what? Uh, the Easter story ends the way it does for a reason, because it lays a whole lot of responsibility on you and me. We are those who have been changed by the love of God and Jesus Christ, and we are called to share that story we are called to explain that story. We are called to live that story and it can't just happen once a year and it can't just happen once a year around the table when we're with loved ones who already know what we believe. We have to have the courage, the faith, the presence, the excitement, the energy, the words to share what we believe and why we believe it. Easter is about love, seen. Love experienced, love shared, a love that never ends. And, and nothing could be better news than that. So it's now our turn to share our own experiences of the way that God has touched our life, not only through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but through the example of those that we know. And believe me, from our lives, joy can shine into the lives of others. It's the miracle of Easter. It's the power of the resurrection. And there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Maybe a few buts, but no more this morning. Christ is risen. Christ is risen.
Happy Easter. <laughs>